What is going on, everybody? I am Greg Hellback, and my co-host, Michael Pinter, and I are bringing you another episode of the New York Real Estate Investing Show. This show is all about how to be successful in New York State, one of the best places and one of the most difficult places to do business in. And each and every week, Michael and I are going to bring awesome content to everybody who wants to learn how to do this business successfully in New York. Between the both of us, we have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. We've made millions of dollars and we've also made a ton of mistakes. So if you want to try your best to avoid those mistakes, definitely take a listen to this podcast. Every single week, we are going to provide actionable tactical steps on how you can be successful investing in the Empire State of New York. Stay tuned and welcome to the show. All right. So the theme of today's show is the reality of making offers if you want to wholesale properties. And why do new investors fall short? Because usually they offer too much money. So that was a long title. We're going to chop that up and we're going to make this really actionable. Michael, the reason I'm having us do the show is because I see so many new investors. They reach out to you. They reach out to me. They say, I got a deal for you, Greg. And I say, great, let's make some money, honey. And you know what they say? They say, okay, uh, it's listed for 650. I can get it for 630. We can probably wholesale it for 640. And I say, you know what? You should probably go back to the drawing board champ and um, work right. on your offer ability. So you, you, you see this more than me. All the time. So, so first of all, obviously, I, I can't emphasize strongly enough how I believe listed properties are probably a waste of time for any wholesale client. But I don't just see that. I see um, I see people, like you said, that are making offers too high because they are afraid to make offers where they need to buy. And what we it's human nature that when a seller tells us something, we're going to believe it's true. And it's human nature for us not want to not want to upset the other side. But if you want to be a successful wholesaler, then you need to accept the fact as soon as you can that, number one, almost every offer you're going to make is going to be lower than what the seller wants. Number two is that you don't should not believe a lot of what the seller says. So very often a seller will plant something in your head and say, well, I already have offers for, so let's take an example. You go see the house and and, and you think the ARV is 500 and, you, and it needs a lot of work and you need to pay 300 for it, let's just say and the seller will say something like, well, I already have an offer of 400. Now, it's hard for somebody to, decide, to not say, hey, I want to be as close to 400 as possible since that guy wants it. But So a newbie wholesaler might come in for, let's say, 375 if he has the guts to even do that. But 375 is too much, right? You can't pay that and make any money wholesaling, right? You need to buy it for three and let's say sell it for uh, wholesale for 330. Let's just let's just take yeah. round numbers. So it's, it's, it's hard to do that when you start and there are tactics and we can talk about them that make it easier to give low offers. But you know what people think, right? When they watch a lot of these gurus is, well, I'm going to get this list and people are going to need to sell. They're desperate. I'm going to just be able to throw out any number there and they're going to say yes. But the, the, the reality is you would say is that your offer is going to be almost always lower than that, what they want. And you need to get that in your brain um, to forget about what they tell you because it's irrelevant. You are going to do your numbers and you're going to come up with a number that hopefully makes sense. And you have to make that offer because that's the only way you're going to make money in this business. Now, is there a little leeway? Sure. So there should be a little leeway. Sometimes you should offer less than you even, than you even can pay, but, but you can't use a lot of what the seller says as reason to make offers higher than what you need to. No, it's, it's so true. And the, the, the big belief problem with new investors and even experienced investors, if they want to wholesale now, is they, 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 some people not saying you and I are in this category because we're certainly not, 
they have a difficult time making a seller an extremely low offer. Like they have like mental resistance to it. And I've had to train my team on this because like a lot of times the offer that we need to pay is like not what they wanted to offer. And I'm like, listen, if you want to make money and we want to make money, we need to buy this thing as cheap as possible, especially now in this down market. So I think a lot of investors who are new, they're not used to the resistance and the rejection. And I think when you've been doing this business and let's say you've done over 25 deals, which is respectable in New York, you, you become numb to it. Like it's, it's not really like, it's a, like for me, like I'm not emotionally involved as much as I used to be. Like I, you know, I have no problem making a low offer and I have no problem killing a deal that doesn't make sense. I always tell Brett, I say, take it behind the barn, load the shotgun up and blow that thing right in the head. Cause we're not going to make any money. We just had this morning. I said, blow it behind the barn, take it to the barn, shoot it. I said, I don't want to hear about it. You know, because in this business, your highest and best use is speaking to qualified prospects who have a problem you can solve and then investing all of your time into that prospect, not trying to, you know, speak to every Tom, Dick and Harry who reaches out to you because you're just going to be burned out and there's not enough hours in the day. Right. Um, but, but be yeah. careful because it's very easy for a newbie investor to go on an appointment, hear something from the seller, assume that this is never going to be a deal and never make an offer. So we've discussed already. We've done podcasts. You must make an offer. So let me tell you the tactic that helped me dramatically. It's John Martinez tactic. He used to teach it and it's the way you make offers. So the way I used to make an offer is seller would tell me he needs 400. I have to pay 200 and I'd say, well, I could pay 200 for it, which would get a response to something like, you're a fucking asshole. Why'd you waste my time? You're a piece of shit. I told you I need 400. Don't ever call me again. <laughs> now, now, now let's go backwards in my brain. If you know, now, if a seller tells you, I'm not taking a dime less than 400 and you need to offer 200. And by the way, that scenario happens all the time. In your head, you're thinking, this is going to be a very, very confrontational, difficult conversation. And what happens is a lot of investors will just not make an offer. The John Martinez tactic that I learned, which really helped my business is I may, I, I tell them, listen, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go through it with you. So, and you know, you know, very well, I'll say, listen, I have a number. Um, but I think you're going to hate it. And I think you're going to hate me. And I don't want to give it. I don't even think I should give it to you. And then they always, always say, well, what is it? And I, <laughs> I, I, I make them beg at least twice. Sometimes three times. And I'll say, listen, I don't want to insult you. And I don't want you to be upset at me. And I really, I really think that this is probably not, not going to work. I have a number for you, but I don't think it's going to work. They go, well, well, what is it? And then I give them the number. So let's take that example. They told me about 400. I say 200. I could pay you two, and I always give them a crazy number. So $201,617. So it's never, it's never, a, it's never a screaming match right after that, right? If you if you if you've told them your, your number is bad, if you told them that this is going to be low, if you told them you're embarrassed to even say it to them, and then they tell it to you. So many times they're going to say, You're right, it's too low, but it's never a confrontation, it's never, it's never a negative uh discussion. And because I do that now, I'm able to very freely give give sellers offers for hundreds of thousands of dollars less than they told me they have to have. But I make that offer and I send it to them. I ask them for, I always make sure I have an email address. If they don't have an email address, I'll send it to them via U.S. Postal Service. I always make that offer. Now we we think in our heads, um, certainly people are inexperienced. Well, this is a huge waste of my time. I'm going to piss the guy off. He's never going to, he's never going to me. But the truth is you very well may be the, best, the only guy making an offer, right? If you're up against other guys who are, new like you and this seller told every jerk that came into his house he needs 400 and everybody in there looks at it and goes 400 think man i'm worth 400 when i fix it up most of them are never gonna make an offer you may be the only person making an offer now he may say no 
But if he really needs to sell, if his motivation changes down the line, you may be the only person who gave him a real, a, a real offer. He knows that you have an offer out and the other guys don't have offers out. Correct. So you got to make the offer. That that tactic has probably had one of the biggest effects on my business because I don't, I don't, I always make an offer now. Always. Regardless, the guy says he wants $10 million. I can pay $5 for it. I'll make an offer of $5. doesn't matter. You always make the offer. So you have to, you have to take a lot of what the seller says with a grain of salt. Sellers are going to lie to you a lot, try to get you up on your, on your numbers. A lot. I've had seller tell me, I got a 367 all cash offer. And I'm like, I can only pay, you know, 320 something. I'll give it to him. And then he'll come back to me and he'll go, was your offer good? I never asked him, hey, what happened to that? It's like 367 offer. I'm not going to do that. All the time is BS. That's the truth. So you have to accept the fact. And it's very hard for new people to do that. So I have a guy working with me now who's, who's, who's always telling me what the seller said. He says he's got seven offers, you know, at these properties. I go, I don't care what he said about that. We need to figure out what our numbers are and make our offer or we can make our offer. You have to really, really take what the seller says with a grain of salt. You want to get as much information as you can um, to help you, but you, when they talk about other, what they talk about, what their price is, or when they talk about what other offer, what other options they have, you want to be very, very careful about how you how you internalize that. My my favorite response to that is, "Hey, that's awesome! You got that offer. How come you didn't accept it?" Yeah, I'll do that too. I'll say that's, that's amazing. With I, his hands down. That's a great. That's a great offer. You, you know, I, I really think you should take it. And then you know what they do? They say, "Well, I, we actually, I'll give you an example on this." Right? I like you better. I like you better. You know, something. Yeah, you're a nice guy. You've been up front with me. Here's an example from this morning. So we got a peep. So I got a a pay per click lead, and then I got a need to sell my house fast lead. So they went to two websites, and this this guy was same guy, same lead, same lead. So I disputed it. <laughs> anyway, uh, which is true, uh, and it was listed in the market. And Brett gets on the phone with her, and he's like, "Hey." Um, what's going on? Like, why, what, you know, how can I help you? And she was like, well, I need to sell in seven days because I have a house that I need to close on and I need you to close in seven days. And he's like, well, listen, we're going to do our best to close in seven days if this makes sense for both of us. But I just want to be upfront with you. Like, like how come you haven't had an offer accepted, you know, like, and long story short, some other jerky investor who I won't mention, you know them, I'll tell you offline. (laughs) Anyway, um, they, kind of made her an offer and then they kind of like got gun shy and they were just kind of ghosting her and she was following up with them and they wouldn't answer and she got pissed off. So she called some other companies. So I told Brett, I said, here's the deal. We can pay her 110 and close hopefully in seven days. I doubt that'll be reality with Thanksgiving, but we'll try. Or we can pay her 150 and we can try to wholesale it and we'll get an option contract signed and we'll, we'll send it out to the list for like 110 or 150. That's a big gap. Well, it is. She really wanted 150. And I said to Brett, I said, if she wants 150, we need our terms. If she wants our her terms and we need our price. And this is, I can pull title today and like probably get it done in like 10 days. But, you know, we got to just be upfront with her. Long story short, she hasn't accepted one of the two offers yet. Um, we hit her with a deadline because she's kind of shopping around. But in that scenario, if Brett were to take that lead and take it at face value and be like, oh, well, she's listed for 250. I don't know. Let's not even make an offer. I said, no, 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 Let's make two offers and let's get those offers out. Let's get them tracked in our system and we'll see what she wants to do. So here's a big thing with wholesale. I'm going to get into this. Like, what, how do you do this in wholesaling? Like, how do you actually make money wholesaling in New York? Cause this is difficult for people. It, it's so, our market is so different than the other 49 States. Oh, you can, I, can you hear me now? Hello? Ah, fuck. Hello? Hey, ah, fuck. Now you're back. You're back. I can All see right, you. I'm back. A couple off fucks in there for the entertainment. Anyway, so 
this is where I see a lot of new investors screw up. It, because our market is so difficult with what something is worth based on the inventory being different, they, they think that there's a straightforward formula like, oh, I'm going to take this ARV and I'm going to take this percentage and then these are the repairs and I got seven buyers who are going to buy this. And that's just not reality in our market. So the way that I wholesale houses, and at least this works for me, is I look at what is a buyer probably going to pay for this house, realistically speaking? Because I know what rehab costs are. I know what soft costs are. I know what it's worth. And then I say, okay, if I put a property out at this number, are people going to respond to my emails or are they going to delete them? And I try to make it to where like the investor can make a reasonable profit. I'm not trying to get greedy on every deal, but I, at the same time, I'm not going to put something out for like a 10K assignment usually, right? So I look at the value minus what I think the repairs might be. I never give them a specific number anymore. Maybe a range if, if it's a sketchy house. And then the soft costs are generally the soft costs. You can't really control that. It's like either 30 or 45 grand, depending on if you're paying cash or not. And then I figure out what is that investor probably going to want to make on that. Usually it's like 10% of the ARV in my area, which is, you know, standard. So let's say it's a 600K ARV, 60 grand, blah, blah, blah. So then I'm like, all right, I think an investor would pay this for the property. And then I, it's a guesstimate. I don't know. I might be wrong. Right. I might be wrong. Who knows what the market until the market, you know, tells me if I'm right or wrong. And that's how we like normally wholesale the house. Like we just kind of reverse engineer it. But the caveat to that is sometimes I will think that the property will sell for X and some buyer is like, oh my God, I've been looking for a property here and I'm willing to pay you X plus 20,000. And I'm like, that's great. Or I think it's going to sell for X and I get absolutely crickets from my email list. Usually, and I'll explain this usually because this is important. A lot of new investors, this is what, I don't, gurus don't talk about this enough, but if you're looking at a property, it doesn't matter where it is in the country, especially in New York and especially in the Hudson Valley. There's a lot of properties that have like devaluing factors to them. What do I mean by that? Old house with a funky layout. That's the number one problem for a fix and flipper is like, if your house is funky, and when I say funky, maybe the bedrooms are small, maybe it's under a roof ridge, maybe like the house looks like it's a, you know, like- yeah. a, the bathroom's right off the kitchen. Yeah, like exactly. Like, you know, weird things like that. That's a huge 10 to 15% value detractor off the bat. Another thing that is a big deal is, is the house on a busy street, right? If you're dealing with a property on a double yellow busy road and all of the houses that you're comparing it to are in a subdivision, your value is going to be 10 to 15, 10 to 15% lower than, you know, at least in my area. Like really you can't, if you can't comp it on that street, right? You can't comp it on that street. So you got to assume it's going to sell for less. And wholesalers, they, I see this a lot in these Facebook groups. They put out these deals and they'll put like a bullshit ARV that makes no sense. They'll put a, $50,000 full gut budget. And then, and then they like, and then like people will chirp and be like, yo, I'm nuts. Like you know, learn how to do this business. Like this is a shit deal. And like the wholesalers will not respond and they won't sell their house. So like, it's, it's, it's very hard to give someone a concrete answer, but you, you need to just really put your deals out to the marketplace and see what the buyers are thinking. Right. It's hard to just be like, oh yeah, three twos in Goshen are going to sell for this. It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't really work like that. Maybe in Long Island, it's a little different because you guys are a little bit more dense than we are. You know, my, my my formula is similar to yours. Like I know most guys will pay 80%, 80% of ARV, 80% of ARV minus repairs. So Even back. Now, in this market? Yeah. Right. But my but my ARV, I'm taking 10, five to 10% less than what than what's actual. Yeah, that's true. That's because true. um, you know, I'm taking I'm taking down, I'm taking that lower. 
And thankfully, so listen, it's weird. So my shit, the shift in my market really happened like July, August, right? That's when everybody got really scared. Market stopped going up. There are less buyers. Interest rates are going up. Everybody was unsure. But now we're, we're, in, we're in November, right? We're getting the end of November. And people, and values really haven't dropped that much. And there's still a very limited amount of supply. So are there less buyers? For sure, for sure, right? At, at any at any price point, there are less people that can afford a mortgage. Absolutely, but the values really haven't dropped. So now, a lot of those rehabbers that I was telling you before are not as scared, and some of them are copying things out the same. I don't, because I'm concerned that the market's going to be down. So if something, if I can comp out something at six fifty, I'll give it five five seventy five six hundred ARV now. So I'm always being more conservative in my values, and I'm finding that I can sell my properties because of that, right? Because my numbers are better. So it's the same thing. You really. But a lot of these guys, like you say, they're new. They don't have a clue. They don't have a clue on how to figure out uh, repair estimates. And they don't have a clue on really comping out a property. Like you say, if it's got something different, you need to figure it out. I just had a property that I did um, on a busy street. And I, and, I, and I really adjusted my ARV because of it. Thankfully, a lot of the buyers didn't see it that way, right? And, they, and I, got re- I did really well on the price. But, but I need to, you need to be concerned about those things. All the things you said, bad layout, Bad location. Um, is it across from a cemetery? Like shit that's like common no. sense. I, but no, I've sold a lot of properties. With, with no, back, but that drives back. the value down a little bit. I'm not saying you can't sell it, but it's, it's like. funny. I, I have a big cemetery in, in Elmont, huge cemetery in Elmont. And there's a one street, which of course I can't remember it, where, where the odd the odd numbers are back to cemetery and the even numbers don't. So <laughs> what I found with the cemetery is that it's it's funny. Some It's a cultural thing, right? So a lot of Asian people do not want to back a cemetery. So a lot of the. Um, Bangladeshi, Pakistani, they won't even take a look at it. But a lot of Americans didn't give two shits. In fact, they liked it because it was quiet neighbors. Never have a problem with your neighbor when they're dead. So I, but, so you have to sort of figure figure those things out and you have to know your area. But like, but all these things, busy street, um, terrible layout, municipal problems, you have to take these things into account. And you guys don't understand that because they just haven't done enough deals. But you, but you know, so people say to me all the time, oh, the market, the market, the market. I'm like, you can, you just have to buy right. You have to buy right. You have to figure in when you make your offer for all these things that come up, whether it's adjustments for the market or adjustments for your specific situation. And if you do that, you're going to be able to sell. There are always buyers out there. People don't, people who don't know the business will say stupid things like there's nothing for sale or there's no buyers out there. There's always buyers and there's always sellers. Everything is a function of price. In the worst market, right, ever, in 2008, 2009, there were still people buying. In fact, the smart people were buying up by the boatload, right? Guys made dozens of millions of dollars buying it. Um, it's just a function of price. So for us right now in a, let's say, shifting market, you have to buy cheaper. And if you buy cheaper, you'll, you'll, find, you'll find cash buyers that are, that are, that'll, that'll buy it for you. It's really, it's, it's not that complicated. 100%, especially too, like with rehabs, this is another thing, like with repair estimates, like if you're brand new, you assume that it's going to be more to fix than it might actually be. I see the big Usually. problem with wholesalers is they're like, oh, the rehab is 35 grand. I, I don't know about you, but 35 grand in my world is like not even a kitchen, not like if their property needs a full rehab in my area and it's a 1500 square foot ranch. And you're going to do the thing the right way with the right contractor. You're looking at 65 to 75 if it doesn't need anything else besides inside cosmetics, yeah. like full kitchen, full baths. Floor. Sure. Right? And, and then and so so like I feel like if you're a new wholesaler, number one, work with someone who knows what they're doing like Michael and I. But number two, like assume it's going to be worse than you think. Right. Because uh, the, the biggest 
problem I have if I'm going to buy from a wholesaler is when they give me a number that doesn't make sense. And then I ask them about it and then they give me resistance. And I'm like, how many of these flips have you done? Like, like, how do you, how can you come up with a $35,000 repair, but like, like, are you hiring like a contractor who's going to do a quarter of the work? Cause that's what right. your repair budget is. It's a quarter of the, you know? Yeah, I get, I get that. And it's, it's, a, it's one of the main reasons why I don't give out those numbers. And one of the main reasons why I don't want anybody to really tell me what those numbers are, to be honest, yeah. because let's be honest, the wholesale number is based on two numbers, really only two numbers based on the ARV and the repair estimates. It's, it's very, it's, I'd say it's almost impossible for it not to be the case that whoever you're going to sell it to does not have the exact same numbers as you. 100%. Their ARV can be higher, their ARV can be lower, their repair estimates can be higher, repair estimates can be lower. You need to, you need to pick a, a number and be secure enough in knowing that even if the guy, the guys you're selling to don't have the same number, that it'll it'll work out. I've had properties where I, I had a property I remember where I said I could make this house ready to go in forty grand with forty grand. It was like in the middle of construction, didn't need that much. Yeah. Now the guy come and tell me he needs one hundred and forty grand. What am I gonna do? I think I thought it was six fifty, and some guy came and I and he told me this is an eight hundred house. I'm like, okay, great. I'm out. So I think by giving out those numbers a lot, and the new guys always want to give out those numbers. They want to throw those numbers right out. And it, it, it's a mistake, I believe. I really do. Um, I mean, if you if you have an ARV in mind, putting out comps, I think, is a good idea. Um, but sometimes I see people put out comps and they're not they're not they're not good comps. Yeah, they're not comps. So I've had people in my area give me comps, and I look at it and I go, Do you know that's in that those comps are all in Jericho schools and your property is not in Jericho School District, which is like the one of the top five school districts in the country? And they're like, Well, I don't I don't know what school district, it's the same city. I'm like, these are things you have to know. So you got when you comp it, you got to be comp it right. So I don't mind putting out comps, but I, I don't like giving an ARV. People and people are always going to ask you. People ask me all the time, "What's the ARV?" What's and I'm like, ah, you know, I'll give them a range or something. But um, I think that when you're new, you're you're very eager to give out all this information that most of the time will only hurt you and not help you. Hundred percent. Here's another buyer hack. I made a video about this yesterday, and this this works really well. Uh, people are not going to like this either. If you have an actual motivated buyer who wants to do business with you, you don't want to be a dick, but you want to, you want them to almost follow up with you a little bit. Cause I've noticed at least when I'm wholesaling houses and the buyer is actually serious, he's going to ask me, when can you get inside? I need more information. When can we get on the phone? You're going to, so, so you, you want the buyer to follow up with you almost. It's almost like if you're trying to go to the bar and pick up someone of the opposite sex or same sex, whatever you're doing, like you, you, you know, you gotta be politically correct today, you know, right. anyway, um, you know, if, if, if they're kind of chasing you a little bit, you have a little bit more of the upper hand, but if you're trying to chase them, like you can still probably do it, but it's going to be a little bit, a little bit rockier. So what I'll do is we get a bunch of inquiries usually when we send an email out or if we make a Facebook post and you know, you, you want to give them information and then be like, if you want more, you know, if you want to take a next step, you need to email me at this email address. And what that does is it eliminates most of the jerks who are never going to buy your property. And then the, the small percentage who are actually serious are going to follow up with you. And then you can have a good line of communication established to get them that property. Because a lot of wholesalers, they might put out a deal and they get all this interest and then nobody ends up buying it. And they're like, well, how come nobody wanted the property? And it's like, you know, you might have not anyway, but that's right. a tip I've done that has worked really well uh, because you want to work with buyers who are committed, right? You don't want to work with people who are going to like look at the house and then never get back to you. It's like, that's just not a good use of time for anybody. So you want to make the buyers jump through some hoops. You got to be reasonable. I'm not saying be a complete asshole and like respond to them a week later. I'm saying like, you know, make them jump through some hoops and make sure that they're serious. And, 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 you know, the, the 
wholesale, another cardinal wholesaling mistake is, is, is misreading interest, right? Whether it's from sellers or buyers, right? If you're misreading interest, you're going to just disappoint your expectations. So, you know, in summary yeah. here, I think we're all guilty of that at some point. hundred oh, <laughs> percent. Oh, especially with sellers, you get a hot lead and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is a home run. Actually, we, I'll give you an example. We had a, Oh, this, I got pissed at this one. This was angry. We had a lady out of state, had a property, and she was like, basically like, I want to sell this thing at a discount. And we made her uh, an offer that she rejected, obviously. And the real number we could have paid was basically what she wanted, apparently. And this was through Brett. So this is all just kind of from the grapevine. And I said, all right, well, if she's willing to do that number, then you like, we got to get a commitment out of her. And I said, before you ask for a commitment, ask her this question. Hey, if you got X for the property what would the next steps be? And she said, well, I can't make a decision. I got to, you know, look at the market value and, you know, it's just bullshit. And I said, that's a smoke screen for her just jerking your bobber. And I said, make her the offer, hit her in the throat with a deadline and say, you know, if this is what you want to do, we need an answer by this day at this time or else it's off the table. She obviously was like, no, I'm listing it. Right. And she was bullshitting the whole time. Right. But, you know, with, with, it, with something like that, New investors can get so disappointed and I get it. Like I've been there. It still happens to us sometimes, but you got to become immune to that. You got to just move on to the next one, make the next offer. When you're new, you know? when you're new it's very hard not to be married to every possible. Yeah. Deal. Yeah. You know, I get calls. I get calls from guys and they're like, I got this deal. And I'm like, I hate to burst your bubble. It's not it's a deal. deal. Like, what do you mean? What do you, and then they start finagling. What do you mean? I go, well, it's not worth what you think it's worth, well, but I think it is. And it, the embarrassment is too low, but I, but I think it could get done. And I'm like, I'm sorry. It's just not a deal. I'll, here's a good example on that. There's a guy on Instagram who hit me up about a Great Neck property like months ago. And you know Great Neck. It's actually, no, it was in Little Neck. It was in Queens. It wasn't even in Great Neck. Well, and he's like, I think it's a deal. And I'm like, oh, I have MLS. So I'm like, let's take a look at it. It's listed on the market, right? And this is a good guy. I'm not knocking this guy. Right, one. Yeah, so it's listed on the market and it's on the... Great Neck Queens border. And I'm like, okay, so if it's in Queens, it's going to be worth X. If it's in Great Neck, it's going to be worth Y. Totally like different, you know, county. And he's like, I think we can get it for like, you know, a number that was like a break even at the closing costs. And I'm like, I said, man, I hate to be a jerk here. I know it's listed and I appreciate you thinking about me. But the reality is that if we got to close this thing and like just the soft costs alone are probably $55,000 just to close and close. I said, on a house like this, I would want to make at least $75,000, like at minimum, like, like, it, you know, you know, like net. Right. And I said, you, you you're much nicer. Have... You're much nicer than I would have been. But keep going. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, dude, you gotta, you know, you, he bought one of my courses. So I didn't want to be a total asshole. Uh, you know, well, the first thing I, the first thing I say to anybody, even my students who bring me listed deals, I go before I even look at it, I just want to tell you, don't ever bring me, <laughs> don't ever. I go, the only thing that we all have the same amount of is time. I go, yeah. deals and you waste my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me off market deals. Unless you have some crazy story yeah. why it's, you know, no one could get in and it's a million dollars less than it's worth. But yeah. I go, it's very rare that a listed deal is going to work no. out. Maybe happens a lot of years. When you're new, you want to make any seller who was willing to talk to you, you want to make that into a deal. That's the truth. Yeah. You're trying to, and I, I told them, I said, dude, like I need to be here at a number. And like, that's like, that's assuming everything that you told me is accurate. You know? And I said, if it's on the market, like they should just lower the price. Like, and there was like an Asian family. So like, I'm not knocking Asian, but like they, you know, they're, you know, generally the, uh, the people were apparently very stubborn, like with the price, like they like was in the family forever. And like, they were very like adamant on, and I'm like, listen, if what you're telling me, especially with their culture, if they want to be stern with the price, I said, this is not going to, be a benefit to anybody here. Like I want to respect them. I want to respect what they want to do with the home. And if you think they're going to be insulted by an offer like that, I, I don't, 
even see it making sense, you know? And he was like, no, that makes sense. I appreciate it. So, you know, it is what it is, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, you got to just become numb to it. Right. But the the hard thing is that the only way to really become numb to it is to have enough deals in your pipeline that you're not married to the deals. And that takes, it takes time. It takes work. I, I, I was definitely married to the first few deals I did. I, you know, I would have done anything to make them work. 100%. I got a new policy I just put into place uh, like last week. And it's like, if the deal is like less than $10,000 for some reason, like it doesn't get much attention in our pipeline review. Like we, we obviously make sure it tries to close, but we don't go over, we don't bend over backwards for it. We're not following up every week. Like we're like, well, it'll close when it closes. We'll make sure that nothing's falling out of the sky every couple of weeks. But, you know, we're only really concentrated on these bigger properties. And like, you know, we have some deals in our pipeline now that are smaller and I'm like, listen, they're going to close when they're going to close if they close. And that's all we're going to do. We're not going right. to spend, spend a lot of resources on. I, I, uh, someone sent me a deal. It was like a $30,000 ARV. I'm like, how, how much money are we really going to make? Where was that? Like in the middle of upstate New York? A trailer somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, how much can we really make on that? We're going to make five grand if we get lucky. Yeah, no. It's not, it's not worth our time. That's the truth. No, no, it's not. And it's, 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 and then you just gotta, you know, when you, the, the, the hope for the new investors is that when you actually go successful with a deal and you take something full cycle, you'll see the, you'll see why you made money and why the buyer paid you 30 grand and why the ARV was probably that number. But until you, sometimes. Do- Oh, if you take, if you take it through and see what the person did with it, sometimes you can see. Yeah. It. Yeah. You know, you see, like you, you can see the evolution of a deal and that's where like, you know, if a buyer pays you a good wholesale fee because it was worth whatever they thought it was worth, you'll start to connect the dots more. And then when you have the next property, you can kind of take that and reverse it. Like, like for example, if I get a lead in Poughkeepsie, I know what it's probably going to sell for. What, like I, I know, cause I know that area so well, like, or if it's in Middletown or like somewhere, you know, Monroe, obviously, but like, I just know, but like there until you, you know, I've done so many deals in those areas. Like, it's like, for me, I can you tell you, Oh, that street in Monroe, I'm like, Oh, it's going to sell for five seventy five, six hundred. 600. You know what I mean? Like, I just know, but that's right. because I've been in the business for a while and, and I'm not trying to discourage new people, but you, you know, you really want to, align yourself with somebody who, who has that market knowledge, whether that's a real estate agent or an investor or someone you can bring value to, but I digress, you know, pretty important topic. We cover a lot of ground in our 20 minutes here on the show. Michael, is there any little thing we sh- might, we needed to add to this? Is there anything, any other tips you might have on, on if people. I, I, I would really, and by the way, the, the tip that I gave from John Martinez, you can literally get on his website, which is like, uh, what is it? REI sales Academy. REI sales Academy.com or yep. midwestrev.com and you can see it. If you make an offer like that, it's not confrontational and I highly recommend this. You need to make offers on every single property you go to see, um, every single property. Um, so don't be don't be reluctant to make the offer and don't be reluctant to make an offer that's significantly lower than what the seller says he wants. The numbers have to make sense for you. It, the numbers don't, you know, if the number makes sense for the seller and not for you, then you haven't accomplished anything in your business. You, you're, you're, you're hurting your business, not helping it. It's funny you say that because we, we lead every conversation. Listen. Mr. Seller, Mrs. Seller, you need to be happy with the price or else you're not going to sell, but it also needs to make sense for us to make a profit or else this is not going to benefit both of us. And, you know, a lot of people are scared to say that, but like when you tell the seller what your intentions are too, I learned this from Todd Toback, it allows the, it allows just full transparency to a decision one way or the other, whether that's a yes decision or a no decision. But if, if sellers aren't aware and most of them are, thank goodness, but if the seller isn't aware that you need to make a profit somehow, and they're just going to get an offer to get an offer, like you're just going to go nowhere. Right. You got to just, I have no problem telling sellers too. Like when we like put an option contract on a property, I'm like, listen, you know, you want this number that you're stuck on and I get it, 
I said, I might be able to sell this to another investor for a profit and I might not, but you know, it, we're going to find that out in about 10 days or less. Right. So that's, that's the risk you're taking. I remember I learned this from a, some real estate trainer. I forget who it was. It was like your price, your, no, my price, your terms, your price, my terms, right? So if they want their price, let's say it might be a deal. The terms are generally, I need some sort of option period. We got to do another podcast on that. That's a good topic, options. Yes, we should. That's, and then the, the, if they want their terms, it's got to be with your price. Like if you want to close in 21 days in New York, which is not easy, we need to be at 375 or else I can't deliver that certainty. And then it's a simple decision. What does the seller want to do? Do they want 400 with the maybe close or do they want the 375 knowing for sure they're going to get it done in 21 days, assuming there's no title issues? Correct. I agree. All right, everyone. Well, that was another episode. If you did get value from this, please subscribe to our podcast. Uh, if you're on YouTube, obviously subscribe and leave us a review on wherever you're listening to this. Share the show on social media that we're growing the show. It's, it's growing steadily and surely. And uh, the reason is because people actually listen to it and people leave reviews and people, uh, you know, people share it. You know, we get a lot of people texting us saying, hey, I, I heard the show. It's really good. I got a guy actually named Rob. And he's like, man, I listen to every single podcast you and Michael do in the car every day. I said, thank you for that because I know at least one. Well, person. thank you, Rob. I hope you, you're, you're listening now. <laughs> yes, he definitely is listening. Same thing with Dave. <laughs> All right, guys. Take care. Bye-bye.